Welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast, hosted by Angel Deer. In this podcast, we explore the mysteries of spirituality and consciousness. In each episode, we dive deep into the realms of human experiences, our rapidly changing world, and the unseen realms, tapping into the universal wisdom that connects us all. Whether you're a seasoned spiritual seeker, starting to awaken to the possibilities of a more expansive reality, or want support on your journey, this podcast is for you. Join me as we explore topics such as shamanism, spiritual transformation, holistic healing, the medicine path, energy healing, plant medicine, ancient wisdom, and more. Our guests are respected elders and experts in their fields, and we'll learn from their insights and experiences as we journey together on the path of spiritual growth. If you can, please consider supporting this podcast by joining our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the sanctuary and why. Once again, it is patreon.com slash the sanctuary and why. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reimagine Embodied Leadership Summit. My name is Phoebe Leona. I am your host. And today we will have a guest, Angel Deer, who is a mystic, a medicine man, a teacher, a permaculturist, a beekeeper, an international speaker, and a lover of all forms of life. And he has a really interesting background. Uh, He was a veterinarian. You'll get to learn pretty right much off the bat. But he was also a CEO of actually, I think, two companies uh, back in the day. And he really shares his journey about this journey of transformation that really brought him back to home, to who he has always been, connecting to nature and in the mystical world, but how he, as he shares in a little bit, how he went on a different path for a little while living in New York City as a CEO and really just what was stirring up inside of him, which I think a lot of people who, if you've been experiencing during the pandemic, questioning your own your own role that you're playing in your job is maybe even as a leader kind of questioning your own values or being in alignment with the values of the mission that you're a part of, the corporation or product or service that you're aligned with. He brings in his own personal experience and gives some words of wisdom to you if you are in a bit of that space. We also explored some conversations around you know, embodiment in terms of, you know, how do you deal with these, these challenging emotions that come up when you are in these spaces, specifically polarized spaces of pointing the finger at other and, and how do you actually bring people together and share these conversations that are open spaces that are safe in a way that there is transformation to occur. And that doesn't always mean that it's, as he says, sugar-coated safety, right? There might be places that trigger you that feel uncomfortable, but being able to give you tools so that you can utilize those spaces that are uncomfortable for transformation to occur. So I really love this conversation that we have around leadership in kind of going into those places that are uncomfortable that you might be facing and how to the the theme that just continued to came come through as we were talking was how to hold yourself accountable. How do you 
you know, really show up every day for yourself and do this inquiry and go on these personal quests. And when you go on those personal quests and you find that you're even becoming more and more misaligned with whatever it is that you're doing in terms of your job or your leadership role, how do you face that? Right. So love the conversation. I hope you do too. And now let's go ahead and share some time with Angel Dear. All right. Hello. I'm so happy to have you here, Angel Dear. Thank you for being here. And I also know you as another name. And that's sort of where I'd love to start with today because I didn't know you as Guillaume, but I have a dear, we have a dear friend in common. And she's told me about you for so many years of just, oh, you're this human being that I should know because, you know, we walk similar paths now. But also she saw you in this sort of before this transformation of who you are now as this leader, um, a very Western leader, a CEO. And now, you know, I'd love to know, well, a little bit about that old version of you. And and then maybe we can go explore what's an awakened leader for you. What's an awakened leadership and passion with purpose and your spiritual advisory board. But we'll get to those and we'll dig into those in a little bit. But yeah, let's start with where you are now and then go back to... So do you want me to start when my old life was happening, I guess? Whatever feels organic to you. (laughs) Well, you know, I was, I'm coming from Corsica. It's a small island in the Mediterranean and um, there are mountain people. So despite it's on the, in the ocean, I mean, in the Mediterranean Sea, uh, we live in the small villages in the mountain and, uh, you know, beautiful pine forest and rivers and you know the warmth of the mediterranean but also the the difficulty of living in the mountain you know mountains can be pretty you know intense right mm-hmm. and i've always felt very connected to that land uh, it's something that has always been present for me and why i'm mentioning that because i feel that somehow um it's not like i'm a different person today than i was at the time Mm-hmm. I just think maybe I lost a little bit my way along. I got into the bushes and distracted. Uh, I don't think I even like the term lost because I think, you know, to find ourselves, we need to get lost at some point, right? We need to kind of leave what we know and then see what works for us or not. Um, but I feel like very much who I am today, which is working as this person that offer traditional healing and ancient wisdom is very much what's so present not only in my upbringing Mm. and my land where i'm coming from but also my ancestors and my lineage Mm. so i've kind of reclaiming parts of myself that were hidden or blurred by my corporate career as you mentioned i spent over I think 15 years in the corporate world. First, I went to a vet school. So I graduated as a veterinarian, as a doctor for animals. Yeah. Uh, did I didn't know PhD. that part about you. I saw <laughs> that in your bio and I was like, oh wait, I did not know this. Where was that in his history? Yeah. Yeah. I specialize in you know emergency and obstetrics for large animals, for farm animals. So I was wow. a surgeon in emergency, you know, C-sections and things like that. I really enjoy that. 
and I think that was already there, this connection to the natural world, to the animal. Yeah. You know, when you're a vet for farm animals, you spend most of your time in the countryside yeah. and spend nights, you know, walking with animals under the stars. And so there is this connection to nature that I really enjoyed and love and people and animals. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, yeah, I went into a corporate career or a more, you know, business centered uh, orientation as an entrepreneur and as a CEO of large corporation. Mm -hmm. And uh, despite, I guess, uh, I was successful there. I enjoy um, my personal development. I enjoy my team. I enjoy the product and the brands I work with. I soon realized that this was not my path, really. At mm -hmm. least this was not where I wanted to be in 20 years, in 40 years from now. Mm -hmm. It was mainly lacking uh, purpose. You know, and I think as we transform individually as finding our purpose, finding our passion, some set of values arise that maybe we didn't think were important at the beginning or we didn't pay attention to. And then there can be a disconnect between our personal values and purpose and the corporation we work with. Yeah. So it was mainly a departure from that, but not a departure towards something else. I mean, at least not what I'm doing now, because when I changed, I didn't know what I was going to be doing. Okay. And it took probably 10 years of, you know, going from point A to point B and transformation. And it's a transformation that's still going on, right? But there was not like, okay, I want to leave this world because I want to run a healing center. Yeah. I want to, you know, dive into shamanic wisdom and potentially teach them one day. I didn't see that coming, I would say. Yeah. What, so can you go back to like a little bit of that time and space when you maybe didn't know, but you knew there was something else that wanted to be born within you? Like, what did that look like in terms of the role you were playing and like the struggles that were coming up and the patterns mm -hmm. that maybe were coming up that you were participating in? Well, I think the whole path of healing or spirituality is very much about consciousness, right? So becoming conscious of what we are not. I don't really like the term of awakening because, you know, I, I think it's a little bit new agey and it's properly, not properly used most of the time, but, you know, we're all on the path of consciousness, right? Every human being is in the path of rediscovering who we are. And I think what comes with uh, career success, <laughs> yeah. which is money and maybe, you know, recognition and all of that for me was happening in the same time as I was diving down inward. Mm -hmm. So there was this outward curve of uh, media and PR and exposure mm -hmm. and, you know, all the things that are attached to that. And at the same time, a realization that, yeah, there was a lot of things that I needed to heal that I could not clearly feel that this outward success was going to be an answer to my inward success. Mm -hmm. In my case, right? For some people, it's different. But for me, there was definitely a split. And I think that split between the public image and the internal experience yeah. created a massive discomfort. 
and you can numb it, right? If you drink uh, a lot of alcohol, if you're very social, if you also not look at your delusions, at your confusion, right? You might think your confusion is clarity, right? Well, this is how it is. You know, we can justify, I think, what we do a lot by creating stories that we adore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. And, you know, we are very good at creating stories and narratives. I think humans need stories and narrative. And if the narrative answers to maybe our culture or family or our colleagues' uh, system that we are in, then we, you know, might find even as we become spiritual, which I'm not really sure what this means, but as we become conscious <laughs> of what we are, we can find new narratives and keep going. Mm-hmm. But at some point to me, it was very clear that the system I was participating in were not the system I wanted to support. Yeah. It was not the type of world I wanted to really experience. So that was when the rift was very big because there was an internal mm-hmm. red and pain and grief and anger. You know, there was a lot of emotion there. Yeah. And there was a mask and a face, you know, when you're a CEO and you run a company with hundreds of people, which was the case yeah. at the time, you need to put a good face, right? You yeah. cannot start saying you have doubt <laughs> about the purpose of what we're really doing. Does it even matter? Yeah. Does this company that I'm running in and the products we are selling, does it really matter? And so you can't really say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're leading. (laughs) But once you start seeing that, you can unsee it, right? When you start having that experience. Yeah. True or not, people might say, well, I disagree with that. But for me, it was real, right? It was my inner experience. There was a necessity as this quest to consciousness needs to bring you to more authenticity, I guess, alignment between the inside and the outside to really depart and face the fear of, you know, losing your salary and getting out of the system and the things that keeps us trapped. Right. And I don't already for many years. Well, until I get there, I'll stay right. Until I make that amount of money, I stay until I save that amount of money, I stay. And I did that for a while, but then I realized, this was not my path. This mm-hmm. was just not what I wanted to experience. And so I left, right? Yeah. And I went on to, uh, I guess, three or four years of quest of self, mm-hmm. of meaning, and kind of emerged, starting doing, you know, I was a yoga teacher. I did a very long yoga training. I studied the Advaita Vedanta, the ancient scriptures. So I was, you know, dipping myself into ancient wisdom, Native American, South Native. And I start seeing in those teachings, in those elders, something that felt like, I can't even describe it because I still have that experience when I'm connected to those texts or those elders. I just felt I'm arrived when I'm there. I just feel so rich. Mm. I feel so much joy. It's yeah. like drinking the most delicious honey, warm with milk and sugar and rose petal. You know, it's just it, for me, it's already a very deep inner experience of ecstasy yeah. when I met those things. And I was like, wow, I've never felt that before. It mm. never felt that sweet. 
Uh, not that the path of transformation is always very sweet. It can get very bitter and, you know, it's a very difficult path at the end of the day. I don't think it's definitely. an easy one. Um, but there was definitely different questions than the one I had. And he felt those questions were broader and they were deeper and they were nourishing me in a way that I've never felt nourished in anything else I've experienced before in my life. Yeah. Wow. So I definitely want to dig into that, that part of your transformation, but you know, when you were sharing this, this experience and these emotions that were coming up, when you were realizing this isn't fulfilling me anymore, I couldn't help but think of, you know, what a lot of people are going through right now because of the pandemic and we have the quiet quitting and the great resignation. And, and I'm just wondering, you know, are there, is there any wisdom you want to pass on to these people who are still in these roles, who are questioning, um, you know, do I continue this path as a CEO or do I feel something stirring inside of me? Um, how do I, you know, still lead from this space? Do I stay there and try to shift the consciousness within that? Or do I just completely make the leap and do something as bold as you did? Um, is there anything kind of in retrospect, whether talking back to your old self or anybody listening that could connect with that today? Well, it's, it's a really interesting question and one I've pandered for a long time and I still look at some time because I don't want to, and I'm not demonizing the corporate world. You know, some people yeah. I think misunderstand that when I, when I talk like that. Yeah. I think there is three components to it. There is us as an individual and as a person. Mm -hmm. knowing what we are here for and what do we want to do in our life? How do we want to be, you know, what do we want to create? Yes. What do we want to participate in? What do we want to spend our energies, which is our time, right? Mm -hmm. And what, what is this thing? And then you have the, the corporation, I think as a product or as a service and looking at that, okay, is this in alignment? Mm -hmm. In my case, you know, I worked in the luxury industry and then in the baby industry. And okay. so is this product, this products I'm selling and what I'm selling, is this really aligned with my inner set of values and purpose and my mission? And then I think there's the organization itself instead of the people, in, you know, in terms of how people relate and in terms of leaderships and ISO's interaction, the way people relate not that it's going to be perfect anywhere, but is there an openness to maybe a different type of connection? You know, I've worked and done consulting for, I'm thinking of one big foundation out there <laughs> uh, that's quite famous and does, I think, you know, quite beautiful work in terms of their mission. Mm -hmm. But the management and the internal relations is a nightmare. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of bullying and it's, it's very patriarchal and there's a lot of pressure and it, it's really bad. Like the stories that are there, right? Yes. So, and then you have organization that maybe their mission doesn't seem as important, maybe, but yeah. where the, the CEOs and the management has a whole different way of relating, right? Um, and then, you know, in the spiritual world, you have people that just also are not good and not aligned, right? So it's not, yeah. 
it's people, right? Everywhere. And we are going to find the same people everywhere. But yeah, I think for people that are there, it's like, okay, first there is the inner quest. Okay, it has to start there because that's where it will end anyway. So we need to really question why we're doing things. Am I doing it really for me or because I learned it's the way to do it or because my parents expect that from me or my wife or whoever, right? Yeah. Uh, is this aligned with a set of values that I'm doing? Is my company, you know, doing things that I believe are really aligned with the world I want to see? And is the structure organized in a way that is going to allow me to develop my own personal transformation? I think that's what the corporation and in general organization, even nonprofit, have a very hard time to deal with because if you allow personal transformation, and in our inquiry, you might lose people because people yeah. might realize. So it's it's a very tender, difficult, but at the same time, necessary work. And I think that any organization needs to embark. Mm. So is that fitting? It's never going to be perfect, right? But we see usually very quickly when we start doing inner work, where the misalignment is, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you said a lot of beautiful nuggets of wisdom. Um, I really resonated. Thank you for pointing this out too of, you know, it's the people and it's not even just the mission, but it's even in the spiritual community of these misalignments as well. Uh, And what you were just saying towards the end of, you know, in terms of corporations or bigger organizations, not always wanting to encourage the person to go on their own personal journey Mm. and whatever that is, you know, I, I don't know if you know, but I teach, um, the military community. I bring yoga to the military community and teach them yoga teacher training. So I work with the cadets and, and other, you know, officers in the military. And, and we have this conversation too, of, you know, how much can you go on this inner journey and then find, you know, kind of be in alignment with your own personal values and purpose, and then also be in this position where you have to execute and not always feel in alignment with. And that is definitely a, a very big conversation that we have there. And and I'm glad that you brought it into our space to just sit with too, because I think that has come up a lot and it comes up even more when we talk about organizations and kind of our career, quote unquote, career paths and going down it and saying, oh, this is no longer with my values and now what, right? Yeah, and I think it's important to have that process and to stay aware of our relations to others and to make sure we don't start to demonize yeah. The corporation, the organization, the leaders, or pe- yeah. individuals, right? I don't think anybody's evil. You know, sometimes you say, oh, this person is evil on social media, or this person yeah. is like that, right? We are all multifaceted. We are yeah. all very complex. And we are all full of contradictions. Once we start digging a little bit, right? It's like, you know, I was talking to a friend about it that buys, you know, organic products and veggies and fruits and all that. And I was, you know, mentioning to him that, yeah, my, what I buy is maybe not always organic, but it's from my local farmers, mm-hmm. right? Because I know where it's planted and I want a relationship with the land. And when I can, I don't always do that. Yeah. And that in fact, a lot of organic product, they might look good because they are might be better for the environment, but most of the time use slave labors, mm-hmm. you know, use very underpaid people, you know, have massive carbon footprint because it's shipped from all over the world. 
you know, yeah. I was reading somewhere that a lot of the spinach, organic spinach we eat in America is coming from China. That's so interesting. You know, so it's like, yeah. you know, we can't, there's no perfect choices, right? But I think it's important to question and yeah. to inquire and then say, okay, is this, is this a line? And I think like the work you do, I think with the army, I think it's super important to be yeah. bridges, right? To not say, oh, army's bad and this is good right. because it's not the case. Yeah. There's extraordinary people that have amazing hearts and take care of their family and really have a sense of duty and service in the army that yeah. you don't find in other places, including the spiritual community, right? Yeah. I mean, being ready to give your life for a cause, you know, we can debate about the cause, but wow. Mm -hmm. we can have respect for that right and i have a lot of respect for that so yeah. i think it's very important to not like oh finger point this organization or those products but i think as a collective we need to move together and towards a transformation uh, that's quite evident in the world of today it just doesn't work what it needs to be we don't know but what am I going to do about it? You know, what is my role in it? How do I participate? What do I need to heal personally that is still fitting into something I don't really believe in? Yeah. Right. And sometimes there is no choice or there is not an evident choice and there is not an easy solution. Right. Yeah. I'm still driving a, a car that uses petroleum while I am very conscious that all companies are definitely, you know, not always acting really good for the land, for the people, for native lands, yeah. for the environment, you know? So it's one of my things that I've, I'm not, I haven't reconciled yet. Yeah. Right? And also I think a lot of people, you know, have very low income or are very socially excluded from this conversation. Okay. And very often they have absolutely no choice in where to buy their food or to consume, where to work. You know, yeah. so we cannot demonize even someone that needs to work at a Walmart as a cashier, even if we say, okay, I don't like Walmart, for example, right? Yeah, yeah. Because she has to feed her family and her kids, right? So I have to be conscious of that. And how do we support that? You know, how do we shift that? Yeah. And I don't have the answer, by the way, right? <laughs> So you let's know? be clear, everyone listening and, you know, yeah. I'm not saying, Hey, you know, go talk to yeah. me. No, but I think we need to question it. We, we yeah. need to open the conversation and we need to be able to sit together around the table with our differences, without name calling and judging and being able to have deep listening and understanding because there's no other way around. We are going to do it together, all together, or we're not going to do it. Yeah. That's, to me, that's pretty obvious today. <laughs> It's so obvious. Yeah. I feel like if, if you weren't aware of it before the last three years, you could not hide from it. There's just been so much polarity. And I love that you brought that into the conversation because I feel what you just said, we have to sit together and be able to have these really challenging conversations in any environment, even if it's sitting at a table with your family at Thanksgiving or sitting at your job or, you know, having these really heavy conversations or avoiding them. Right. Um, so 
part of your journey, I mean, has been holding space for people. And I'm, and I think that you work with a lot of different communities right now. Is that true? What, what do they, what do they look like? What does that look like for you? Well, you know, we run retreats in different parts of the world, right? Yeah. And a lot in Peru, but, you know, we have one coming up in Mexico and other places. I work with elders that are from very different tradition. My main lineage is coming from Peru okay. and from the Andes. And, you know, that's kind of my second family. Mm-hmm. I spend, you know, three to four months uh, every year in Peru for the past 10 to 15 years. So, you know, I have a, another set of friends and really close community there. Yeah. Uh, and then there is my local community here. You know, I have a lot of people that comes from the city, but I've also all my local community. Yeah. And it's something that I've been also really questioning, you know, in the past few years. And I think since COVID, because we couldn't move around and that was amazing. Could rest, right? Yeah. But also, yeah, I need to connect to that community. I need to be able to be in touch with, you know, the people here. How are they living? What are the needs? Right. And I think that's more important to know about your neighbors that to know about community from the other side of the world. I mean, it's great to know what's mm-hmm. going on there, but let's start with what's on our doorstep, right? Yeah. And Sullivan County, where I live, you know, it's one of the poorest country in the country. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, at the bottom five or bottom 10, right? Okay. So there is a lot of issues, right? And what is my role as someone that lives there in relation to that, those systemic issues because, you know, it's easy to scream at the government or the corporation, but am I getting involved in the local organization? Am I getting involved in the local associations? What can I do uh, as a human being in the spaces that would uh, be of support, be of service? Yeah, I I appreciate you bringing that because... I feel like we did all go somewhat global because of the pandemic and we were in our homes, on our computers, finding in a lot of beautiful ways, right? That we could connect with people around the world that were like-minded. And maybe if you were in your local community and did feel like you didn't belong, you now had this outlet to really connect. But I love how you were saying, but you also have to be with your physical local community too. And that really is part of the transformation that you're saying is, you know, look at your neighbors and help them and see, you know, where are the issues, the systemic issues are. And how do you, what does that look like for you? Like what it, on your daily basis of holding space in your local community? Why it is, uh, you know, going to my local church on the Sunday and connect yeah. to the pastor that I really love and connect to the people that go there that I'm not going to meet anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, unless I go there, it's being involved. You know, we have a business association in the community of all the different type of businesses here and being involved with that organization. And also I've been thinking, you know, I became American, you know, three years ago and now I can vote and I can be involved in that. And it's also okay, if I don't like the politics, if I don't like how I'm represented, what am I going to do about it? Am I taking the steps that might be difficult, right? To be understanding this system really, instead of just criticizing him and see how I can be part of that change on a more local level. And that's something that's been on my mind recently, right? Mm-hmm. How can I be involved more on the decision we take every day for our town on waters, on land, on people, on 
industries that can come around here, just all of it, and be, you know, in those probably difficult spaces and conversation with people that have a very different view of the world than me. But then, you know, not just being powerless by criticizing. You know, criticizing is very easy. Anybody can have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think unless you are the forefront of it, you should you don't have an informed opinion. So we can criticize, you know, the governments and the Democrats or the Republicans or this and that. Mm-hmm. But let's be involved, right? Yeah. And let's see how hard it is to change things, right? Let, let's be a witness of it. Yeah. And then have more compassion and kindness, I think, for the people that are in that position for probably their whole life trying to change the system and understand that sometimes, yeah, they make decisions that seems crazy to us, mm-hmm. but it's not black and white. It's not that easy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, what I just heard you say is basically holding yourself accountable first and asking myself, like, how am I showing up? And instead of pointing the finger at the other person, it's okay, let's bring it back to myself first. And sitting with those, because you also talked about this earlier in your world with being a CEO of like the difficult emotions that come up when you are working with, you know, we'll just call other for now. Are there some... Um, ways of how you deal with it. And I know you do probably a lot of shadow work with what you do as an entering as an elder. We were just talking about that before we press record, you're almost an elder. My few gray hair, right? And uh, (laughs) some here. (laughs) Um, Yeah. What what are some of your own like personal practices when those darker emotions come into your space and whether they're your own or with other? Well, I think we need to learn to be with it. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think in the world of today, everybody is such in a state of stress that the nervous system is dysregulated and people are either in a fight or in a flight or in a phone numbing process, right? Yeah. And we see that on social media. We see that on TV. We see that just, just everywhere, right? There is no true listening mm-hmm. right? there's this amazing book from one of the native elders you know i've been working with and his book is uh about deep listening and the title of the book is stop talking <laughs> <laughs> i like it right so we don't really know how to do that because i think once we start slowing down which kind of uh, covid forces to do yes or when we go through burnout or things like that, when we are forced, our bodies just say no because they are exhausted. We have the opportunity potentially to feel what is really there. Mm-hmm. And sadly in our world, you know, there's a lot of medicine we can take to avoid feeling. Yes. Right. And most of them are very legal, like alcohol, for example. Yeah. So I think it's really difficult to do that unless you have the tools, Mm -hmm. you know, and I feel very blessed that in the past 15 years plus I've learned from amazing people that there is tools, there are tools that we can use that really works, that help us to sit with anger, with the discomfort, with rage, with grief, with confusion, with separation, with all those emotions that are difficult uh and yeah breath work meditation 
deep, deep connection to nature. There are many things that I do that, you know, even gardening, you know, people often ask me when I don't feel well, what I do, I say, most of the time, you know, I go out and mm -hmm. I open the chicken run and I just sit <laughs> in the garden with my chickens and I say, well, they're like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just present with nature, with those animals and the nature on me. And very often, you know, eagles or hawks fly above me and, and I just let myself be with it. I think it's very important not to try to change what we're experiencing because it is valid, right? Every emotion we experience, it's valid. And very often it comes from very early age, stuff that happened to us where we're powerless, where someone, you know, took something from us we didn't want or, and until we heal that, we're going to react to the world, you know, in extreme ways, sometimes yes. or often disproportionate with what is happening. When I see the rage sometimes on social media, because someone wrote something that someone disagree with, I'm mesmerized by it. You know, most people don't know the person that's writing it. In yeah. fact, just one writing, it doesn't mean it's the ultimate truth. Very often this, this is just a share, right? Yeah. I think we need to be able to own our strong emotions, to own our triggers and to really be accountable for it and say, okay, wh what is really, and we can only do that if we pause. If I instantly react, I just basically can't see what's really happening. I need to really sit with it. And then maybe an hour later or a day later or a year later, I will see what it is really about. So we need, we need that space. And in a world that's faster and faster and noisier and noisier and where I know that, you know, there's so much information. I think we need to create those spaces for ourselves. Because even for me, that lives in upstate New York, in a smaller community and in nature. Uh, if I don't create that space, I'm going to experience that dread of anxiety and not really know why is it. Is it because I drank two coffees today? Or is it because something is really going on through my system yeah. that I need to attend to? So it's a, it's a commitment to self-inquiry. It's a commitment to self-discovery. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. I feel, I just heard this. I think it's this, I, I think the statistic is, is that the way that information is moving, it's doubling every seven years. So how we're receiving information and what you were just speaking to, and this is a lot of the work that I do too, is the somatic work of like, our bodies are not prepared to move that fast. Yeah. And I love that you highlighted this idea of, you know, again, coming back to this accountability, but holding yourself accountable for this inquiry, giving yourself that space. And, you know, social media is an interesting tool because it's given people a place to have their voice seen and heard and felt, which can be empowering. But like what you just said, it also can be very negative and very toxic and creating these unsafe spaces that are disempowering. And I'm just wondering in terms of the space that we're, we're kind of sitting in right now of like, are there in an ideal world, what would a safe space look like where people can truly share their voices and feel seen and heard, but not in a way that it's going to be hurting uh, somebody else 
or being received that is triggering these old wounds. Is it possible? Do you see that vision possible? Maybe not. not Well, is it possible to not be triggered by someone saying something? No, it's impossible. We are going to get triggered. So I think the definition of safe space sometimes be very sugarcoated, right? True. We're going to hold our truths. We're to be so mindful of every single world. We need to allow ourselves to fail. Yeah. We need to allow ourselves to sometime we say the wrong thing that we didn't mean, right? So there is process for reparation. There is process for listening. There's process for healing what happened, right? Also that are important. But if it's a space where everybody has to be careful of what, let's say, the 20 people in the room might feel about our own words. It's impossible. Yeah. You know, I might even say something in this conversation that's going to trigger you, right? Or I'm sure someone listening might be already in a story about me, mm-hmm. about who I am. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know me. It's like, I hardly know myself. So how can anyone <laughs> know me? <laughs> 20 minutes, it's, yeah. it's a process, right? So I think we need to first recognize that everybody's doing their best mm-hmm. in the moment. Even someone that is hurting us and says something that we feel already hurt by it in their level of consciousness, in where they are at in this moment, unless people are intentionally harming someone, right? Intentionally saying something like a racist slur or something, yeah. right? But even them, I guess they are doing their best in that moment. They are, that's what they yeah. can do, right? That's what they know as truth. Yeah. So, but very often in those spaces, it's not intentional. Quite the opposite. People are coming for healing and listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think what is safe then in that context is, is this a space where negative emotions are allowed? Mm-hmm. Is this where anger is allowed, where triggers are allowed? And what are the quality of the space or the space holders and the tools that we have to understand what's happening to rekindle, repair, or mend what is happening, but we need to be super careful. You know, I've been in many of those spaces and I work with people that kind of specialize in that. And very often there is a little bit of, despite it pretends to be absolutely not that, this very colonial capitalist thing, things about perfection. Mm -hmm. The space has to be perfect and we have to be perfect. It's almost like, you know, a spiritual version of Catholicism you've seen and here you're the saints. So we're kind of oscillating between the two and we, you know, there is name calling or there is, you know, bad talks or gossips. And, you know, I think, yeah, we don't allow true healing when that happened. In fact, I've witnessed it personally that it creates more harm than anything else. Yeah. Uh, we need to allow each other to fail. We need to know that we are going to be hurt by others in the same way we are going to hurt others. and we're never going to be perfect in this so safety you know might be different that's why people say oh what is a safe space or Mm -hmm. even safe people right yeah there is people that are safe are safer than others but in terms of space and interaction i think it's really relates to yeah are the tools in place do people Mm -hmm. have the capacity to process that if you haven't dealt with your own personal anger, is there many things you're angry about since you're born and someone triggers you, I'm telling you, this is going to be like a volcano coming out of you. 
And the spiritual work might tell you, no, don't do it, tame it. And you might be able to do that, but it is not healing. Yeah. You know, it's not really true. So can be really safe, right? Even if you look really kind to me, but if internally you have this fire and you can't express it because you don't want to look bad or to feel non-spiritual or to feel like a bad person, I think that's more problematic. Yeah, I I completely resonate with that because I feel like when you start to walk on the eggshells and create this safe space and there, you know, there's a lot of spiritual bypassing and that like not being able to welcome it, but almost what I'm hearing you say is creating some sort of container where you set boundaries so that people do feel that they can share, but also know that there might be things that come up that are uncomfortable and here are the tools that we could utilize as a group or individually if those moments come up and and arise. And that's where it feels like the transformation will occur in that moment because you actually want that, right? You want to, for the transformation to occur, they need that that heat. They need that. Yeah, and we need the connection. Yeah. The running away. Yeah. Constantly being in a situation where we keep living is never going to create healing. It might feel good and it might feel like the answer our truth. But in fact, my teacher told me a long time ago, he said, you know, one day you are going to have to decide if you want to be right or if you want to connect. (laughs) Like it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And doesn't mean I'm good at it. Right. Sometimes I want to be right. Sometimes the little one day little boy, you know, doesn't want to be told that he's wrong. Right. But I need to see that. Yeah. I need to do my internal work and all of that. But sometimes we make a choice to like, okay, I'm hurt. I might have a bad feeling toward that person, but I'm not going to cut the bridges because I know what you and I desire ultimately is to connect. Mm-hmm. As human beings, the, the reason we're enraged with someone hurting us because there's a broken link. And in fact, what's yes. under it is a deep unconditional love that is pushing us. If we didn't care at all, if we had no love for that person, even let's say for a leader that we despise, yeah. we would not care. We would not be angry because that would be of no power. Why do we feel so connected? Because yeah. there is that connection under it and we can't deny it. And it's there. And until we know that's the truth, that's what we are, we need to go towards. We are going to make decisions that are just going to create maybe a temporary feeling better. And sometimes there is necessity for that. You know, I'm not advocating for no boundaries or getting out of certain spaces or contact, but I think we need to also at the same time as we do that, acknowledge what is there for me. What do I need to do? And how to potentially, you know, return mm-hmm. if well, that is possible. And that needs the two people involved in it, right? It's not just me, yeah. not just them, right? Sometimes it's yeah. not possible because not everyone is open to right. not being right and wanting to connect. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of people who just want to be right. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Because it and hurts, I, right? When we feel like, oh my God, but what is it that someone tells me that I'm wrong? And what is it that's really painful there for me? Yeah. Is it a little child? How, how old do I feel when someone tells me that? Do I, am I already 49? Or I yeah. feel like I'm 12 and my yeah. mom is screaming at me. So I can, you know, if I really know somatic feelings and know I have tools for that, I can very often inquire 
yeah, and forgive myself and be kind and attend to this little boy or little girl inside of me. Yeah. And I think that it's so important what you just, you said a little bit ago too, of just being able to, being able to recognize it, the connection versus the right. And what you were saying, what did you, I can't remember exactly what you said, but, but the, if, if it's not the connection, right. If there isn't that sort of sacred contract or something, that person might not even call, come on your radar. It's so interesting where you might be in situations like two, same situation with two different people and one person, there's like no connection. So you don't really, it doesn't really matter. Right. You don't even respond, but this other person, it's just like a dagger inside of you and, and Mm -hmm. recognizing that. I think that's, what I think is really interesting. And I think that's like a whole other topic to go down, but yeah. <laughs> that's a long discussion around that. Yeah, that's topic. a whole other discussion, but yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I could talk to you for so long. I love it. And we, we hadn't spoken for probably a few years. So <laughs> this is yes. great. I'm so honored we did that. Uh, so yeah. Can you share a little bit more about what you're doing in the world now? How um, I think you're sharing a free your an ebook, correct? Yes. So I have an ebook that I made many years ago, but somehow okay. still, still seem very valid, uh, yes. which is a uh, morning practice. Okay. So I, you know, I truly believe that the first things we do in the first 20 or 30 minutes when we wake up really set the tone for the day. Yes. <laughs> it's not just me saying it. It's really my experience and the experience of people that do that. So yeah. I've developed, you know, uh, a, set of tools that are, you know, tools that are out there, but just put them in a frame together for people that are interested to start that process, or maybe you want to go deeper in that process, right? So there's five steps in it. And, you know, some people might already meditate or might already do that, but might not do all of them. And I think they all bring something different. And so I'm happy to share that with your community here. I would love that. Thank you so much. We'll have that as this is being presented in the show notes so people can connect to it. And, and yeah, I think I just value you and your journey. I just want to acknowledge that you've been on a beautiful journey and I didn't know the first part of your journey and it does, it feels like you're coming back home. I know in a very different location, but you are in a mountain. You are in the mountain. I am in a mountain. Yes. Yes. But it's just, it's been beautiful to witness you from afar and, and now getting to know more about it and, and you and, um, yeah, it's very special to be able to share that and, and bring your wisdom into this conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you, Phoebe. Really yeah. a pleasure to be with you again today. Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary Podcast. We deeply value your support. Please consider sharing this podcast with others and joining our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the sanctuary and why. Once again, it is patreon.com slash the sanctuary and why at the sanctuary we believe that spirituality is a personal journey that takes many forms and we honor and respect all paths to awakening and the rise of consciousness our mission is to provide a platform for open and honest conversations about spirituality and to inspire and empower our listeners to live their most authentic lives in good relation to each other's the living and invisible worlds. I look forward to connecting with you again here or at our events, retreats, and online gatherings. You can find all our offerings at thesanctuaryheal.com. 
Once again, it is thesanctuaryheal.com.